all music heard on the Sean Boyles podcast, I actually have the rights to. So shut your dirty, filthy, ill-conceived, rot-gut mother... Cracking. This is Sean Boyles Podcast. I am that dude. I am Sean Boyles. Thank you for checking me out. Um, I'm getting uh, I'm getting I'm getting listens. You people are checking me out. I I believe it's mostly my friends and family, but fuck it, I'll take it. It's nice. It's nice to see the uh, the amount of uh, downloads or streams or Whatever the hell you call it, I don't know. What is what's the technical term there? Um, you're checking it out, and that's what's cool. You're listening to me. You're into what I'm talking about so far. Uh, again, we're um, still just going through the history of me. History of me. Uh, not that I think my history's worth a shit. Not that I think that um, anything I've done is anything particularly special. It's just that um, I figured I would give these first few episodes uh, some background on myself and what I've done to um, come to the place that I am now. How about that? Is that okay? Is that all right? Um, I hear some podcasts sometimes and I'm listening to the guys spew and uh, they start right out of the gate and they start you know throwing out their opinions and whatever. And I don't know. To me, it feels like, okay, we're, I'm glad you got your opinion I'm glad you're saying what you're saying. What do you have to back that up? Where are you from? What did you do? Where did you come from? What um you know, what sort of life experience do you got, you know? And um so I want to use these first few uh podcasts of my of mine to give you some background, let you know what I've done. And maybe it's boring at first. But once we get on down the line and I start talking about the modern day, maybe you'll have some perspective. Maybe you'll be able to, oh, you know what he talked about in that first thing? Yeah, he actually, he he been through that. So, I don't know. It's just my own little way of um, uh, giving you some background, giving you some history on uh, on me. And who knows better of my history than me? It'd be really weird if somebody else was telling you the Sean Boyle's history. That would be crazy. Um I wouldn't stand for that because I'm 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 Sean Boyle's. Anyway, uh where we did we leave off? We left off uh if you listen to uh uh episode 3, I talked about my band Licasto, L I C A S T O. Uh, you can't really find any of our stuff online. There might be some YouTube click uh, clips where maybe somebody has uploaded a, a, an album here and there. Um, a lot of Russian stuff comes up, apparently L-I-C-A. Uh, there's a lot of Russian involved or Ukrainian or some sort of Slavic. I have no idea, uh, but a lot of shit with backwards letters and weird shit that I can't understand comes up when you start with a L-I-C-A. Um but I, I I do believe there is something on YouTube you can check out. Um, if you listened to the last episode, you got an exclusive track at the end of the episode that uh, was a previously unreleased thing. Um, so we're at uh, oh shit, we're at about two thousand four, two thousand four. 
uh, early part of 2004, I want to say February, uh, we decided to pack it in as Lick Stowe. We had done done that band for about seven and a half years. Uh, the music climate wasn't what we were digging. There was a lot of clowns out there. And uh, we... Um, we really tried hard with that band, uh, and, and, and not that we um, tried to cater to any certain thing, but we did try to, you know, work with the right producers and get the right group of songs to the right label, to the right guy at the right label, you know, the right packaging and the right look and all that stuff, you know, stuff that we were behind, stuff that we were into, but stuff that we thought that you know would catch their attention uh to try to go forward uh we you know but honestly after trying that hard to do something we had a manager and we you know we we were doing the whole thing and um it just got to the point where you know what let's just go away let's stop this thing uh and overall that um that push to really try to do something uh sort of Uh, put a bad taste in my mouth for all that and it made me realize that you know what music is art music should be something that you play from the gut and from the heart and you shouldn't be compromising anything whatsoever the minute you think about the bottom line is the minute that you are compromising what you want to say or do as an artist so that was something um, that I sort of pledged to myself that I wasn't going to do anymore. I was going to play the kind of music I wanted to play with my friends or whoever wanted me. If I wanted to play with them, whatever whatever the case may be, I wanted to just really put my heart behind music. And I didn't want to compromise it. I didn't want to think about if it was going to sell. I didn't want to think what would... Um, what would come of it? I wanted to do it for fun. And that's as, uh, I mean, honestly, if I can pack up my drums, put them in a truck or a van, drive to wherever, set up in your dumb club or in your living room or whatever, just the fact that I got to do that, set up and play, I'm fine. I am a happy clam. I have done a lot of shitty shows over the years and I've done some really cool shows over the years. It feels the same to me. So, we're at about 19, uh, 2004, I think, and uh, Ligusto is done, and I don't know what to do musically. Um, nothing really is tripping my trigger. Nothing is uh, really catching my attention. Uh, the phone was ringing off the hook for, uh, for me to play in uh, friends' bands, other bands. Uh, I actually got contacted by... Uh, head PE at one point to play drums for them uh but it seems super sketchy and then I'm in the bay area of San Francisco and I was gonna have to move to uh Huntington Beach which I was open to but I don't know we weren't really connecting um well I could tell that story that's that's nothing I mean there's no way to confirm this you could think I'm full of shit but this is what happened um when Ligusto stopped playing and we, our name had been out there a little bit, especially in the underground, uh, bands knew about us. Um, we were really good friends with Insolence at the time from, from the South Bay, and uh, they were really blowing up. They, hadn't gotten, they had gotten signed to Maverick. They're out there. They had already uh, let their drummer go, their original drummer, and now 
They got a new guy. They actually asked me to play at one point uh, before they got uh, this guy, Kevin. Uh, the Gooch. Um, so uh, they were out there. They were doing the, a lot of connections. Head PEs looking for a drummer. Three different people from the Insolence organization threw my name at three different times, not knowing that the other guy had given my name to the head PE camp. Uh, and uh, I get a call from a woman who was their uh, uh, liaison at the time. And she says, um, hey, uh, Jared, the singer from Head PE is going to be calling you. I just wanted to give you a heads up to let you know that he's calling. I thought a little weird uh, to call somebody to tell them that somebody's going to call you. Why not just call me, right? Anyway, doesn't matter. Um, about a half hour later, I get a call from Jared from Head PE, singer of Head PE. And we have a conversation and his... Uh, his opening statement is, I heard you are our new drummer. And I humbly said, well, you know, I don't know. What do you, what's the deal? What do you guys got going on? You know, so we had some, we had a talk. Uh, he told me to learn some songs. And they were holding some tryouts uh, in about a three weeks, four weeks, whatever it was. And uh, I was going to have to come down to Huntington Beach. And they were doing, a, they were doing a tryout. So, uh they were doing Saturday and Sunday, all-day tryouts, both days. And uh, we talked a few times during uh, the, these next couple weeks before I was coming down. I had everything set up. I had a car I was going to rent because I didn't have a car that was going to make it to uh, Southern California from the Bay Area at the time. So uh, I had a car rented on lock, had, a, you know, had it ready to go. I had um, – they wanted us to bring our own drums, which I thought kind of sucked if you're going to an audition – but uh, I had a buddy of mine that lived down there that was going to um, uh, meet me there and let me use his kit. And I was actually – well, I, he would uh, – I was actually going to go to his place and stay with him for the night so I didn't have to pay for a motel or hotel or anything like that. You know, times are tough. Money's – you know, it's lean. It's lean with broke motherfuckers out here. So uh, we uh, had everything set up. Now, Jared had told me that uh, they were concerned about me being from up here and having to move down there, and uh, they were a little concerned on some lag time that it might be for me to get down there, blah, 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 blah. Um, basically, he told me that if uh, within their all-day um, all do- all auditions with, um, with guys on Saturday and, and Sunday – uh, if they found a guy before I came down, before I left, they would let me know, and they, you know, I wouldn't uh, be troubled to uh, go all the way down there. And uh, so, I was actually, uh, I, <laughs> I had a bag packed. I was just about out the door. Um, I was gonna get dropped off at the rental call rental bleh, rental car place. And I was going to make my way down to Southern California. And then I get a call. I get a call from Jared. And he said, hey, man, I just want to let you know, you know, I, we talked before. If, you know, if we found a guy, we we're going to go with the guy. A guy came in just now. He played the stuff okay. And I think we're going to go with him. And I stopped. And I was like, what do you mean he played it okay? Uh, well, you know, he, he, you know, everyone has come in has sucked. And this guy has been the best so far. So, um we're going to go with him. I said, dude, if I come down, I'm getting the gig. That's all there is to it. You know, if your man's only playing it, okay, I'm playing the shit dead ass. You know what I mean? Like I'm playing it dead on 
the way you guys I, I said your man's got a your old drummer's got a quirky feel it's a little odd and i think guys are coming in and you used to dudes feel and i go i got dudes little quirky feel down i figured it out i figured out what he's doing and if i come down i'm getting a gig that's all there is to it well we're gonna go with this dude i said all right and I hung up the phone, and I took their CD that I had burned, uh, the songs they told me to learn, and I hucked it across the apartment complex. Uh, that was done with head PE. And then about four months later, the phone rings again, and it's Jared. He's like, yo, man, this guy, we did a show with him. We thought he'd get better. He hasn't got any better. It's still kind of weak. It's uh, no better than it was from that uh, initial audition. Are you still interested in coming down? And I said, I don't know, man. I kind of, you know, I had a bunch of stuff in motion and then, and you guys kind of fucked me. Not that I was out any money or whatever, but, you know, I got my money back from the rental deposit. Oh, you know, whatever. Um, he's like, yo, man, we really want you to come down. And he's like, hey, in fact, why don't you guys, why don't you do this? Why don't you send me something that you played on? I said, oh, yeah, I'll get, I'll get right to that. And we hung up the phone, and I didn't send shit. I wasn't trying to hear some shit I did to end up on the next Head P.E. record. Uh, I wasn't trusting the whole situation anyway. And then a little bit later on, I uh, was talking to a friend about this whole situation, and he told me, he's all, dude, you would have hated playing with that band. They are definitely not about the music. They are about partying, and... Um, it would have been a bad situation. You would have been moving back up to the Bay Area in short order. So that was my slight brush with uh, doing something that was sort of halfway something. Um, but, um, you know, whatever. Shit happens, right? But again, at the time, I'm floundering. It's the end of 2004 going into 2005. I don't really know what to do. I don't know. Uh, I kind of went uh, went. To a couple auditions for some things. They didn't really pan out. Um, then maybe mid-2005. Um, uh, my buddy Mikey. Who was a uh, founding member of Liquor Stowe with me. Uh, he has an idea. He wants to do some stuff. Uh, I was working with Mikey at the time. Uh, part time. I wasn't with him full time. Uh, helping him with his paint. Uh, his paint company. Painting houses and shit. And... Um, he, had, he was going to do a job out of town that uh, I was free to do from my own schedule. So uh, we were out of town, and he uh, tells me to bring some drums because we're actually we're, we're going to be out of town, but we got put up in a cabin, uh, and we're going to um, – we can jam. He had some ideas that he wanted to flesh out. So um, we go up there, we set up, and he's got these ideas, and, you know, and um, it's, uh, it's pretty rocking stuff. Um, Especially coming from the really super heavy, groove-oriented, very, very hip-hop-infused stuff that we were doing prior, uh, this new stuff that he wants to do kind of took me aback. I wasn't really ready for it. Uh, it was very, very much in the vein of, uh, of the Bronx uh, from Los Angeles. So we, we were starting to really dig this band, and it, it seemed like you a know, little throwback to some ACDC-type shit. And... Um, we sort of wanted to explore something like that, and then we started discovering all these bands, all this uh, rock and roll revival stuff that was happening in the uh, the mid two thousands, and we were really getting into uh, bands like uh, the Helicopters and Glucifer and uh, a bunch of Swedish bands, 
uh, the hives. We were into the hives and the, just all this stuff that was just, you know, that we were starting to chew on and we're starting to play. We're starting to, you know, come up with some ideas. So um, we uh, put some ads to find some. Uh, uh, by this time, Craigslist is the shit, right? Uh, you can find find people to play with on Craigslist, right? So we put a Craigslist ad uh, with the influence of the stuff that we were listening to. Um, and uh, we needed a bass player. We probably wanted another guitar player and, uh, and probably a singer, right? So uh, we, get, <laughs> we don't get very many hits uh, from our ad. Maybe our influences were a little too all over the place. I don't know. Maybe it was a little strange. Maybe people didn't quite understand what it is we were trying to do or wanting to do. But um, we got a couple calls. We had this guy Chuck come in on second guitar. And this guy named Sean come in uh, playing bass. Um, and at that time, we had two sets of uh, kind of two groups of, uh, out of the, I don't know, six songs, I think, that we were throwing around. You could literally divide three three and three into songs that kind of had more of a a quirky uh maybe planes mistaken for stars kind of vibe um or some songs that had more of a kind of rock and roll kind of woo kind of vibe uh um uh acdc on methamphetamines uh played at mach 10 kind of vibe and uh uh, Sean, the bass player at that time, really, really liked um, the Planes Mistaken for Stars, uh, kind of at the drive-in tor- sort of vibe that some of the songs had, uh, and a- as did Chuck, the other guitar player. Um, but me and Mikey really were digging the more rock and roll kind of knuckle-dragger, fire-breathing kind of stuff that we were messing around with. Um, so uh, Chuck came in under false pretenses. He told us that he, uh, he was a lead guitar player, and during the few months that he played with us, not one lead was played by Chuck. And uh, we really wanted someone to uh, sort of really shred on some of the stuff. Our our really good friend, uh, James Miller, who was the other guitar player in Ligastow, was originally to be the second guitar player. His favorite guitar player is Angus Young. And um, so to do some sort of uh, knuckle-dragging, bare-bones, rock-and-roll type stuff uh, was something he was really interested. He was sort of going through some personal things at the time, so he couldn't really make time to dedicate to a band. So uh, uh, the search went on for another guitar player uh, and another bass player, and uh, I meet uh, an old friend of mine at a uh, Daiko Jones Flogging Molly concert. Uh, this old friend of mine, this guy named Sammy, and uh, Sammy's looking for a band. Uh, he said he wanted to do something like uh, the Cult Electric album, and I said, you know what, I might have something for you. Come down and jam with me and Mikey, and um, and Sammy came in. He was a perfect fit. Um, we still needed another guitar player, uh, and we started putting up uh, old school. We put flyers up on poles looking for a guitar player. And there was a, we didn't get any calls from this flyer because it said something to the effect of, uh, if you wear nut hugging jeans, big belt buckles, uh, and possibly have had scabies and drink PBR and play fiery guitar, we want you as our guitar player. Um, I don't know why we didn't get any ads or any, uh, any answers for this ad, but uh, one guy, one guy named Jason, 
he answered that ad and he walked in. He was wearing a Zeke t-shirt. And we thought, you know what? This might be the guy. He plugs in his fucking mess of boogie head that he had all uh, duct taped up. And fires off some pretty nice blues-based kind of leads that were... But they had fire on them. You know what I mean? So we got almost everything. Now we need a singer. We had a guy singing for us for a minute. Uh, He didn't really work out. But uh, Jason had met... uh, this guy named Mark at a um, the Folsom Street Fair. Oh, not the Folsom. Was it the Folsom? Yeah, Folsom Street Fair. Uh, anything? Anybody knows anything about the Folsom Street Fair in San Francisco? It is your uh, celebration of all things uh, S&M and bondage and uh, that whole thing. A lot of leather-clad and ball-gag-adorned uh, people running around the streets uh celebration of free uh sexual fetishness that happens once a year in San Francisco like San Francisco needs to be any more sexually free and liberated but this uh, another celebration of that and um Jason happened to run again, uh, run into this cat mark told him what we were doing happened to have a copy of a of a rehearsal CD uh we're in the CD area now how about that um and he gives it to Mark. Oh, did I mention that Mark is Mark Osagata from Death Angel? Oh shit, did I did I not mention that? Yeah, this is Mark Osagata from Death Angel. Um, so uh, Death Angel had done a record and uh, was on a little bit of a a, a a a break. They weren't really doing much. They had gotten back together after the infamous uh, uh, thr- um, Chuck Billy uh, Thrash of the Titans. Uh, Get get together a uh, little cancer benefit uh, for Chuck Billy and uh, and also Chuck from Death um, Bay Area sort of a bunch of these old school thrash metal bands all got back together in celebration of Chuck Billy. A lot of people know about this. Um, Death Angel, one of the bands that got back together, hadn't played together in over ten years. They do a show. They get a uh, they get an offer in uh, for a European tour to get back from Europe. They got an offer for a record deal. This is after that first record has been recorded. And uh, well, first record since they got back together. Uh, the Art of Dying, I believe is the name of that record. Um, uh, they had done the whole touring cycle for that thing. And now they're just kind of sitting on their hands. Not really doing much. Kind of settled back down and went back to their other lives. Asagata uh, is not really doing much. Jason gives him this CD. He hits his back up. He's super into it. He's always wanted to do a dirty rock and roll band like this. Now, when he walks into rehearsal, I'm a little... I'm a, I had met Mark a few times in the past. He had a band called Swarm that uh, we would play with once in a while. Um, so I knew of him. I, I had met him. I don't know if he remembered me for shit, but that didn't matter. Uh, but we were kind of tripping. If, shit, Mark Osagata from Death Angel is going to come audition for our band. Uh, but then I thought, you know what? This motherfucker's coming in to audition for our band, okay? He's just a guy. He can sing, and he comes in, and we're, he's got some lyrics ready for one of the songs. We cue up one of the songs. We start blasting through it, and the first thing out of his mouth is this fucking scream that lasts. The song was maybe two minutes long. He screamed over about a minute and a half of it in one fucking shot. So, uh, of course, I'm exaggerating. However, the voice that was coming out 
that I was hearing over our music subconsciously was the voice I was hearing over this music, and it happened to be the voice of one Mark Asagata. We had the missing link to our little band that was called All Time Highs. And All Time Highs ran from about uh, late 2006. Ah! By the time we got everybody together, it was probably early 2006, late 2005, maybe somewhere in there. I think our first gig um, was, um, oh shit, I'm blanking on when the first gig. I know our very first significant gig was, which was within the first three gigs, we got to open up for Loudness at the Pound in San Francisco. Uh, Loudness being a band that I love and I've loved since the 80s, Japanese metal band, um, just I love this band and I saw that they were coming and we had a friend that was running the pound and we we're like, dude, we have to open up for loudness. That would be fucking awesome. So uh we open up for loudness and it's off and running. We're uh getting write ups locally here in the Bay Area about some new little dirty rock and roll band with a hot shot singer <laughs> from a a bigger band and um not to toot our horn, but we were pretty damn good and uh it actually kinda lit a fire back under the asses of the guys of the rest of the guys in death angel to start writing um they were hearing the lyrics that asagata was writing for all-time highs which he hadn't written all the lyrics for uh the death angel music at that time uh but hearing that he was tackling the lyrics completely by himself they had some more confidence in him let him write almost all the lyrics uh shit since then i think he's written all the lyrics for death angel um but all-time highs, a little bit responsible for uh, Death Angel really cranking out some really good music in the past few years. Um, uh, we went uh, to, oh shit, we, uh, we toured up and down the West Coast. We even toured to Texas and did South by Southwest in 07. We did, uh, what did we do, seven shows in, seven shows in four days or some bullshit like that. It was crazy. Uh, all uh, non non official un- unofficial South by Southwest shows, you know those shows that were uh, that were off the grid uh, before, right as the corporate bullshit started happening to South by Southwest in the um, in like oh six oh seven oh eight, um, and now it's a fucking shit show over there South by Southwest. I've been twice since, and um, very corporate, very. Um, I don't know, very shiny. I don't know. It wasn't. It was still pretty gritty. At least it felt pretty gritty in uh, in '07 when we went and uh, made some connections with some bands from uh, other parts of the country. It was pretty cool. Uh, had a lot of fun with that band. The funnest band I've ever been in. Between uh, me and Mikey and uh, Asagata, uh, Jason and, and Sammy, uh, I would say all sort of alphas in their own right. All very strong characters, very, uh, very uh, opinionated characters, very uh, creative characters. Everybody wrote, everybody contributed, everybody put in, and um, and it was a force to be reckoned with. And I think um, that sort of made the magic happen. I had a friend of mine tell me that when he would see us live, he was always curious to see when it was going to fall off the rails. He said that there was a... Uh, an intensity played that he always felt like it was going to shit the bed. Like he was waiting for something terrible to happen because it was so reckless. 
And it was fun, man. It was really fun. The kind of rock and roll where you can do some stick twirls and then knock over your drum kit when you're done. So that the kind of, that's the kind of stuff that we were doing. It was really, really fun, really loose. Didn't take anything seriously. Um, we had nuns with guns with an upside-down cross on a T-shirt, okay? It's just silly, silly shit. Um, ignorant as fuck, you know, just fun shit. Uh, that lasted till about... Um, I don't know, into, I want to say 2008. Um, maybe, no, maybe the end of 2007 got a little weird. Um, uh, Death Angel was going to record a new record, and uh, we were booking some shows, and uh, he had told us that he might be recording the new Death Angel record at the time of that show. He might have to bail on that show. Sure enough, he was going to have to bail on that show, and uh, our guitar player Jason didn't like that, and drunkenly one night sent him a very um a very hatanic email um and it really kind of fucked things up for us uh mark wanted to leave we told him hey let's not you know don't leave we'll tell jason to to go um and then and then our buddy james came in to replace him and it wasn't the same uh james a brilliant brilliant guitar player just didn't have the looseness uh, we probably sounded better. We were tighter with him, but uh, the danger wasn't there. So um, Osagata went off to really get really, really busy with Death Angel and all-time highs, sort of took a back seat. Um, we didn't really do much. Uh, the band has officially not broken up, although we sort of stopped playing in um, early 2008, I would say. Um but we have done maybe we've done a handful of shows. We did a small little we called it the West uh the what did we call it the three day three way. We did a little three day jaunt from the Bay Area to out to Las Vegas um, with a band that we met at South by Southwest in 07 uh, called the, the Last Vegas. And um, so we've done maybe five shows since 08. <laughs> That's a pretty good uh Pretty good track record, right? Like I said, uh, Jason came back. We buried the hatchet with him. Everything was cool. Everything's, in fact, he's one of one of my really good friends, even still to this day. Uh, Mikey, uh, another really, really good friend. Sammy, I just had lunch with the other day. Uh, we don't see Asagata too much because Death Angel is super busy, but uh, uh, there's always texts back and forth, and uh, he's still a really good friend. Um, so in the middle of... Uh, rock and roll catastrophes going on with all-time highs uh i was at a warp tour in probably 07 uh warp tour stop in the bay area and i met a uh, a friend of mine was there and uh, uh he's a bass player a really good bass player he uh was doing a band called justify a sort of um what i like to call white boy reggae band a white boy ska band uh uh, sort of, uh, they were, um, out of Livermore, California, which is, uh, east of the greater Bay Area, before you get into the Central Valley, um, and, uh, they were about to record a record, but they could, they just didn't have a drummer, they didn't have a drummer to really, uh, they could really play the stuff the way they, the way they want to play it, I had never played ska, I never played reggae before, I know nothing about that music, uh, at that time, but I, um, sort of, 
these are old friends of mine. I knew a few of the cats that were in the band, and I decided, well, you know what? Let me help these guys out. I'll just record their record, and then I'll go on my way. Um, and then I spent three years with that band. <laughs> I learned their songs. I said, give me two weeks. Let me learn. Uh, let me do some homework. Let me learn some reggae shit. And uh, I came in playing some of their stuff, and uh, they said, I thought you said you never played reggae or ska before i said well that's why i needed the two weeks you know i needed to learn some shit so uh off and running uh i helped this band record some songs i started doing some shows and it was fun it was cool i didn't take it very seriously because i was uh doing this rock and roll thing that i you know again that was fun as well again not really taking anything too seriously but you know at the same time having fun i'm liking what i'm playing helping some friends out I'm not doing anything for any other reason than I want to do it. It was cool to play the reggae shit because, you know, I learned something. I learned how to do a new kind of music that I'd never done before. Um, the rock and roll stuff was great. It was fun. Um, I got better at playing faster because the songs had a, you know, were up tempo and it was just fun. It was just fun stuff. Um, uh, Justify sort of started to fizzle out because um, they wanted to get rid of the guitar player. I didn't think that was a good idea, and I told him, "Hey, I don't want to spend time working in another guy in a band that I'm not, you know, 100% behind." I kind of came in to help you guys out, and I stayed because I like you guys, but I don't want to waste time working on another guy. So, um, at that exact same time, I had been out of that band for maybe a week before a friend of mine called me and saying that he was having problems with his drummer. So I joined that band. This band was called Six Six Seven, a little. Uh, sort of desert rock kind of vibe band. Um, I always said that 667 sounded like Queens of the Stone Age without all the weird, quirky shit. Um, and uh, again, some old friends, guys that I knew from just around the scene for years and years, uh, friends of friends or friends of cousins. And so uh, my friend Joe, my really good friend Joe, uh, I joined his band 667. And so I'm doing... All time eyes is fizzling out or is done. Justify had 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 kind of fizzled out and I was done. Uh, there was some, um, you know, I was doing two bands at that time. Now I start doing. Uh, I'm kind of. I think there's well, there was a little overlap, a little overlap with uh, um, with Justify and Six Six Seven. Oh, ha! In the middle of all that, so yeah. All Time Highs is done, okay? All Time Highs is done. I'm doing Justify, and I had joined 667, but I had also had joined a third band. Um, probably this is, I want to say, maybe 2009, 2010, somewhere in there. Uh, I had joined a band called Grace Alley. My buddy Mikey, after uh, All Time Highs, had sort of um, stopped playing, uh, he tools around for a couple different projects, and he ends up in this band called uh, Grace Alley. Grace Alley sounded like, uh, if you know the band Gallows from from the UK, sort of sounded like that. Uh, had a hand in uh, had a hand in uh, 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 hardcore sort of, but still had a sort of rock and roll kind of thing happening. Uh, very interesting band, very cool. Uh, some odd time stuff that was cool. Things were intense, fast. Uh, singer for that band, Sammy the Mick. Um, Bay Area Hardcore was uh, where Sammy the Mick came from. The OBHC, Oakland Brand Hardcore. Now, 
we had we knew o- the OBHC guys. We knew them pretty well. When Lickestell was playing, when we first first started, the OBHC was probably the only sort of uh, corner of musicians in the area that really really gave us some love, and um, we did some parties and shit for those guys. Uh, it'd be funny our little rap uh, rap rock band playing for a bunch of. Uh, uh, literally hardcore guys, um, hardcore in the hardcore punk scene, hardcore, not as in hardcore, like, you know, they did extreme sports or some shit, you know, okay, I'm saying <laughs> hardcore, hardcore bands. Um, so, um, so I, for about eight months, eight or nine months, I was in this band, Grace Alley with Sammy the Mick. Um, I left because Sammy the Mick liked to start a lot of fights at shows, and I didn't really dig that. One of the times being, um, he went after my friend Joe <laughs> at a show, uh, who at the time I hadn't joined 667 yet, but he was a real, still a really good friend, and he had come to the show. Uh, my girlfriend at the time, is uh, he was how I met this girl. and uh, So he was a really good friend of mine, and here um, Sammy the Mick goes after him. So I quit right after that. I didn't want anything to do with their band and Sammy the Mick. Uh, rest in peace, Sammy the Mick. He passed away a few years ago in a uh, house fire. Uh, but, um, yeah, it was kind of weird. So I joined 667. Um, I start sort of slowing their <laughs> slowing their songs down, I guess. Trying to make them heavier, I guess. Um, I don't know. It was, uh, it was cool, but that band... Um, they wanted to take a different turn. Um, Joe wanted to get heavier. He wanted to get really heavy. And uh, so we decided to change the name of the band and start doing really, really heavy stuff, kind of due to my influence. Um, and that 667 became Hellbeard. Uh, and Hellbeard, uh, Hellbeard was a little bit of neurosis, very, uh, very post-metal, very big, you know, Long songs, slowly developing songs, uh, uh, big, massive, heavy songs. Um, uh, James Miller comes back into the fold. Uh, we he joins he joins Hellbeard, and um, we had three guitar players in that band. <laughs> um, James Miller being a uh, guitar player, but his role was sort of a keyboard player. He would make all sort of weird noises and shit. And uh, we did Hellbeard from about 09 uh, till, I don't know, a minute ago. <laughs> uh, it's on the, f- I, I'm not quite sure whether Hellbeard is still together. Uh, we went from a band that was um, a five piece band with three guitar players to a three piece band with no bass player. So that's, uh, that's what we had been doing as of late. Um, and, um, I'm not quite sure if that band even still exists. Well, we haven't jammed in a really long time. People have been busy, but we're still paying on the space, the rehearsal space. So I'm not quite sure. Um, there has been a few other bands that have happened uh, since starting Hellbeard, and I will get into that on the next episode of the Sean Boyles Podcast. Uh, the Sean Boyles Podcast, you can hear every Monday, the new episodes every Monday morning at 7 a.m. on Anchor FM or Spotify. Um, I haven't decided to do the ads yet. Uh, Anchor offers an option to run ads. I don't really know how that all works, but apparently the more listens I get, 
I can actually make money off of ads. Um, not quite sure whether I want to do that yet or not. Let's see how many people actually listen to this stuff. So uh, we're going to go out. What do you want to hear? Um, oh, hell, let's let's do this. Let's do, uh, let's do some all-time highs. How about that? Um, oh, hell, where's the damn song that I want to play for you guys? See, this is the... Uh, it's the high, uh, <laughs> very intense, um, uh, high budget, I should say, high budget production going on where I'm fiddling through my tablet trying to find a tune to play so you can hear what was going on back in the day. This is a song called Divinity. Like I said at the beginning of this podcast, I actually have the rights to these songs. None of these, none of the music that you'll hear on the Sean Boyles podcast has been released on any major label or with any sort of contractual obligations to only be played there there's gonna be no royalties on any of this stuff i haven't made a dime playing music ladies and gentlemen uh i'm sort of happy with that um because it's kept me honest i think i haven't been uh salted by the game all right uh anyway let's hear a little uh this song's called divinity this is actually uh you can find this on Bandcamp, actually um all-time highs band camp uh i think you can buy this from uh this was released through uh viking records which is a label here in the bay area uh a song called divinity here we go have a good day have a good time i will see you guys next week Talk to you.